Would you bow your heads in prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, You came this night to be our Savior. Born of Mary, born to die, born to give us life. Speak to us this night and give us ears to hear. In your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. This is that time of the year, that holly and jolly old time. Not so good. But that's what Christmas is supposed to be. The Disney World of Seasons. In the words of Clark W. Griswold, the hap, hap, happiest time of the year. And yet very often, for many people, it's just the opposite. I want to read a portion of a devotion by the former president of the St. Louis Seminary, Dr. Dale Meyer. For some, this Christmas will be spent in a hospital bed. For some, we know this Christmas will be spent in the loneliness of a nursing home. For some, we know the circle has been broken because the enemy death has robbed the family circle of a dear one. Those words describe a reality many in this congregation are facing this night. Families like the Oviches, who just hours ago lost a loved one, albeit expected, but he went home to be with Jesus. Others who have lost loved ones unexpectedly in recent days and months who didn't expect to be here without them. Some right now are awaiting the results of tests that they won't get until after the new year. Others are not looking forward to a surgery they know they have to have. Still others are struggling with depression over perceived failures at work or at school. There are people among us whose home life is anything but happy or peaceful. I never go through Christmas without thinking about my sister Bobby, who died many years ago on Christmas Eve. Christmas doesn't make all those things go away. In fact, for many people, the expectation that you have to be especially happy at this time of year makes the pain even deeper and more hidden. Reminds me of a mother from my first congregation. Now, we were there and she was having a picture taken. I maybe told you this story. A picture taken of her two beautiful little girls and they had a fireplace behind them and they had dogs in a basket in front of them. It was just a beatific picture for a Christmas card except for one thing, the girls wouldn't smile. 
And so mom said, come on, smile. And she coaxed them and they frowned more. And she said, smile. And they coaxed them and they frowned more. And finally, in frustration, the mom slammed her fist down and said, smile, at which the dogs pooped and the girls began to cry. And I did not embellish one little thing in that story. You can't order people to be merry or happy. Christmas is not intended to be a time to deny the reality of your life. It's not a time to put a smile on as a mask and pretend that it's all the hurts and pains are on hold for a month or a week or a day. God did not give Jesus so we could escape from reality. He gave Jesus so we could face reality. The gift of His Son, God has answered two very important questions for us. First, is God tough enough to give us victory over life's toughest and most painful hurts? Second, does God care enough to guide us through life's toughest and most painful moments? Both our texts tonight, Isaiah 40 and Luke 2, answer those questions. Both of them ask us to focus not on our hurts and pains, but on the one that God gave as the answer to those hurts and pains. Isaiah writes, Go on up to a high mountain, Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. His arm rules for him like a rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Three times we hear Isaiah say, Behold! It means look carefully at. Consider. Give your attention to. Behold your God. Behold how strong and tough, how gentle and kind He comes with might, His strong arm rules, and yet He gently gathers, carries, and leads His people. Where do you find a God like that? Well, one night, while some shepherds were sitting out in a field, keeping watch over their flock, an angel appeared, Tell them exactly where. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. There's that word again. Behold. Behold your God. 
Savior, Christ the Lord, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, the Almighty Son of God, come for all the people. Behold Him here, gentle, a tiny baby, wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Thank God that our Savior is both tough and gentle. Because if He was tough but not gentle, we sinners would have only terror with which to behold Him. And if He's gentle but not tough, then He wouldn't be much use to us. Because all He could do then is empathize with our weaknesses, but He couldn't save us. Behold, here in the manger, in one person, in this baby is one who is both tough and tender, strong and gentle, God in human flesh and blood. Is this child born in Bethlehem tough enough to give us victory over our pains and our hurts? Oh, the Lord comes with might and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him. His recompense before Him. I want you to focus on probably what's the strangest word to you there. Recompense. What in the world is that? It means to make amends. If you want to know what men's are, I just would point you to the story of Zacchaeus in the Gospel. When Zacchaeus, that wee little man, comes to faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus is in his house, the Bible tells us Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He's promising to make right the harms that he's done to the people he he dishonestly defrauded as a tax collector. I saw someone do this once in a group. He had a year earlier stolen money from this group. And that night, though nobody knew he had done this, he confessed it to the group and repaid everything he'd taken and more. He was making amen to that group. It's right if you've wronged somebody, not just to apologize, but to make amen. To seek to make it up to them. The problem for us is that though we owe God amen, we can't do enough. We can't make it up him. We're like the man who sat in my office many years ago crying because he had committed adultery. I thought he was crying because how he had hurt his wife. And he said, no, we've talked about it. She's in the process of forgiving me. I said, why are you crying? She says, because there is nothing I can do to make it up to God. I think, these are his words, I think God wants nothing to do with me anymore. 
I think he no longer listens to my prayer. Now, he was right. There was nothing he could do and nothing we could do to make amends to God. Thank God we don't have to. His recompense is before him. God gave Jesus to make amends for us, to pay the debt we could never repay. I know that baby in the manger, we like to cuddle him like a little one, meek, mild, gentle. But that baby will grow to be a man who at the age of 30 will go out into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy himself, tempted in every way as we are, except without sin. Jesus, that baby, would grow into a man who came to live in our human hell. Jesus entered our deep darkness, grew to manhood, to stand beside you and me to endure tough, painful struggle in life that makes our tough, painful struggles pale by comparison. He grew to manhood, and his back felt the whip of the scourging Romans as he was beaten for our sins. His hands felt the searing pain of the nails that were driven through. His arms held the pain of his weight as he hung on the cross. For you and for me, he felt his blood drip from the wounds of his body, blood that he shed for you and me. They took him down from that cross. They laid him in a tomb. And the third day, Later, that same one who was once a child in Bethlehem conquered even sin, death, and the devil, rose again with victory over everything that defeats you and me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and deliver those who through the fear of death were subject to life-long slavery. I want you to look at this picture. It's in a ruins of a city that Pharaoh once gave to Solomon when, as a wedding gift. This is in the gates of the city. The gates of the city is where all the business takes place. That place right there is a tax collector's booth. And sitting in that tax collector's booth is a manger. That's what they look like. Think about it. What a metaphor. A manger in the tax collector's booth. A reminder. Not that he pays our taxes, but that he paid the deepest debt we all. Born in a manger. Is this child tough enough to give us victory over life's toughest, most painful hurts? Yes. Therein lies the answer to the second question also, isn't it? 
Does the God we meet in the manger care enough to guide us through life's toughest, most painful hurts? Yes. For He has been tempted as we are. He's walked in our shoes. He gave His own life for you and me. He stood outside the tomb of a friend and cried. He knows. Nothing in all creation, nothing that can ever happen to you or me, nothing that you and I can ever do can separate us from His love. I will never leave you nor forsake you, He promised. Isaiah writes, He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. 38 years of ministry. I've seen him do that many times. A man in a hospital for 18 months with a virus that slowly took away all his muscles except his heart, but couldn't take his faith. Another man facing life endangering surgery, who said to me, Pastor, don't worry, I'll be okay. God has taken care of me. He, if the surgery is success, praise God. If it doesn't work, He'll still take care of me. If I die, I go to be with Jesus. I can't lose. I think of my own mother. One of the last times I was with her. When she couldn't remember who I was or who anybody else was but she could still say the Lord's Prayer with me. Because when everything was gone, Jesus was still there. Folks, it's not unusual or unique that we have troubles at this time of the year. That's not what makes Christmas unique. There are troubles at this time of the year just as there are at any time of the year. On my Facebook page this morning, I had a lady from Nebraska write a note about a funeral I preached for her aunt. She said, what I remember from that funeral, Pastor Braun, is that you said, because your aunt died on Easter Sunday, you said, a lot of people think death changes Easter but they're not right. Easter changes death. Folks, the hurts and the pain do not rob Christmas of their joy. They do not change Christmas. What God did in that manger and on that cross and on that empty tomb changes for all eternity our pains and our hurts brings healing. That's the joy. Not that we escape and pretend that everything is fine, but that we can face our realities and face them because we have a God who loves us and gave His Son for us. That in that Bethlehem, Mary made more, laid more than her little child wrapped in swaddling clothes, but laid the Son of God Himself. Behold your God. Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen.
Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.